It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Joining me now, former uh, Congressman Doug Collins, uh, the not just the protests, the decision, the leaked draft opinion, and so much more uh, tied to what's going on now in Washington, D.C. at the Supreme Court, and in fact, around the country. As a matter of fact, I would say, Congressman, that uh, the world is watching uh, what goes on in America. We are one of seven nations that allows for late-term abortions, contrary to what is pushed as the popular narrative. Uh, first, your thoughts on the leak and uh, what that means to the court. The leak itself, I think, not only for this case, was, was frankly, uh, for David, not surprising to me. It was very frustrating to me because I believe it was done with an with a, a intent and a purpose, and that is to uh, take one or two of the uh, conservative justices and say, look, you know, you have a chance here. You know, we're going to leak this. You're going to see the calls, see what happens. It's time to change. Maybe go with Roberts and do some kind of a concurring opinion that doesn't do away with Roe. That's the concern I have. But I have a bigger, deeper concern. And that is all of us watch the Supreme Court for Second Amendment cases. We watch it for, you know, abortion cases, which in reality are very rare at the court. What concerns me about this leak is, is all of the other cases, if it is becoming to become a tactic of one side or the other to release the discussions and to release draft opinions, then it concerns me for where, you know, the true politicization of the court is something like this. It is not liberals and conservative justices getting in a room and talking about it. The true politicization is when it becomes what this has become and it becomes an outside of the court. So I'm, I'm very concerned about it. But you made a quick a statement earlier in your segment about these protesters and that, that, that maybe there should be something done. My question is, where's the Justice Department? Where's the local police department? Because let's say you and I were in a court case, David. I couldn't go down to the judge's house before he issues a decision and yell and scream out in front of his house. I would be arrested for tampering with the court system. I mean, why are they not being arrested? Well, because, look, and as we both deal in reality, I believe, uh, the fact is that yeah. Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice are not going to do anything. And then comes the question of who above them, and this is similar to the military chain of order, advisors in command, who above them brings the charge? Uh, and the fact is that the Biden administration is not going to uh, do something uh, because they are in charge of the Department of Justice that falls under the executive. Now, that's the reality of this. What can be done? Uh, I, I see a couple of paths here that concern me. Like you, I'm concerned about this politicization of the court. Actually, I think it's a much bigger problem than most have said, uh, because what happens when it goes in either direction? The, the sacrosanct nature of the court is the ability to publish opinion, uh, circulate the opinion, and then come out with the decision, as they have done until this moment. I think that is a success by the left, because they have now, in a sense, penetrated that veil with the court and left it open for further uh, further destruction. They want to see the court weaker because that is something that has been against them for so many decades. Oh, exactly, David. I think the concern that I have here is, 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 is what you just expressed. But it also goes to this, and that we've not talked about, 
yes, Judge Roberts has said they're doing an investigation. The marshal of the Supreme Court is going to look into it. And be, but, I mean, really, I mean, we're a week and a half out now. We're two, there's only so many working that building. Okay, there's only so many who have access to an actual draft opinion. I mean, it, probably in reality, you're looking at, especially one of that level, you're looking at less than 25 people. And you're telling me, take out the nine justices, because I don't think any one of them actually did it themselves. So now you're down to, you know, for 16, 17 people, you know, maybe or a little bit more. And if they're allowed to get away with this, this is the bigger concern. It's not that it's done once, but now if they're allowed to get away with it with no, uh, no retribution for it, then exactly what you just talked about is going to be the biggest issue. Because now if I just don't like something and I want to put pressure on it, especially if the five don't hold. If the five do not hold, this is what I don't understand about Judge Roberts. If the five are holding, go ahead and release the opinion. But if there's a possibility this changes, can you imagine, David, when that release, when that uh, opinion is actually released, what we'll see on the left is compared to what we're going to see on the right as well? Well, let, let's – and by the way, I, I'm, I you've known me for some time. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, uh, but I, I would not in any investigation eliminate the potential – that it may have been a justice who released it. That's just the normal path of following this to, to find it. However, the method, a hack, a left open screen, whatever it was. I mean, come on, one of the greatest things in Washington we've seen over the years and not in a good sense is you leave the screen open, walk out of the room, <laughs> and somebody sees it. Remember, General Petraeus did that with his mistress. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and we've seen that, right? That's the hubris of how this works. I, and And... and because we have an FBI that's capable, whether willing or ordered otherwise, they can actually track every computer in that building to find where those files were at what time, how the files were sent it, by doing a search string simply for the document itself. And they have full text of the document. So I, we know how this works, or at least I certainly do, because I've run IT systems for the government. I understand how that part works. Now, let's go to the other issues. Uh, a part of this is how the public discussion is carrying out. And uh, there, there is a, I don't know if I want to call it a mistake or maybe just not enough complete com uh, context in the discussion, because even based on the leaked draft opinion, which, by the way, can change, it actually can be changed, Oh, yeah. There are two questions before the court. There is a plurality issue. You mentioned Roberts, for example, uh, and that could be a, a key point in this, who did or did not raise their hand when the initial votes were cast. It's not as if they had to be written down. They could have just said, how does everybody feel about it? And they went, I'll go this way, I'll go this way, I'll go this way. So the plurality issue here could uphold a Mississippi case, but on the other hand, could also uphold abortion. And, you know, and with Roe v. Wade, is that part of the decision? So when you look at all of this, how, you know, are we examining this carefully and properly enough in the discussion, no matter which side somebody comes from? I don't think so. And I think you're right in that, that request. I think it is interesting, though, though, after they had went into the huddle, to actually have the five, though, that we do see are named in this opinion, uh, you know, there had to be some at least concurrence that, yes, at this point, I settle into this opinion. doesn't mean they can't change it, but it does mean that there was at least a, okay, I'm agreeing with this point. Now, the 
the section, though, that you really have to understand, and I think this is where both sides have got it wrong. You've heard the hyperbole. What I think of the left, you know, not just that, you know, Roe is dead and abortion is going to be, you know, forever going back to 1973. Even Bill Maher the other night, you know, just trashed that idea. We're not going back to 1973. You're going back to where Ruth Gator Ginsburg, I think after 20 years of contemplation, said, you know, we may have made a mistake by taking this out of the state legislatures and putting it in the courts because it's made it such a divisive issue. Although she was part of getting it into the courts in Roe v. Wade and, and the Griswold case and others. Um, but then on the right as well, you have this idea that, you know, all of a sudden all abortion is going to be illegal. That's just not true. And that's not what this, you know, even if Dobbs is upheld and, you know, Roe is overturned, you know what the, you know, what will happen in Mississippi is that abortions will be legal up to 15 weeks. I mean, this is what people are not understanding. I think David's going to bring an interesting concept into these pro-life groups who have now for years have held the line of no abortions except, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll say even the three exceptions, you know, what are they going to do now? Are they going to now go back to their state legislation and say this is what needs to happen? Or are they going to say, well, we like being where we're at, we're going to do that. But on the left, you've got the other problem. The left is now taking it to the extreme of saying anything dealing with privacy is now up in the air, from gay marriage to, you know, whatever else they want to throw there. And, again, that's wrong, too. That's a wrong reading of this, of this report. But they are driving that. I mean, the tweet by Lori oh, yeah. Lightfoot that they're coming for us next uh, is part of this. And it is, uh, what's the word, a wrongly held discussion. And I'm going to, look, the left is going to do what they're going to do. The hyperbole, the Molotov cocktail through the window, the riots. This is not new for them. You know, they're not putting up fences right. around the Supreme Court because they're afraid of pro-lifers storming the court <laughs> and taking the judges on. That That's just not what they're putting the fences up right. for. But on, on I would say, on the, on the right side, or I will say this, I will say on the constitutional side, often more obviously on the right, uh, that's just the history and the facts, and more on the conservative side of this, we need to have the discussion and force it as much as we can in better context. Very little has been said about plurality, the possibility of a split. Very little has been discussed the way you even just laid out that this is about a, a point in time, 15 weeks. Uh, and if we do a better job, not for the screaming, shouting mobs at the courthouse or at the justices' homes or Lori Lightfoot, but we've got to speak to Americans on this issue. And we need to do a better job of that. I, I agree. And it, Well, look, the, the thing that over the years, has transgressed to where, you know, even though the left is now throwing out every statistic in the world for why abortion is, is wanted by Americans, which, again, the, the numbers are skewed, it was the fact that over time you saw the the advent of better science, you know, ultrasounds, the things that, that, that again, attack the very heart of the, uh, the, the underlying of what, a ba- you know, that it is a baby is a baby. Okay, and then when you also look at these other arguments, and is is this where the the court's going to lead? The concern, though, David, is those have been taken off the table by this leap because now any concern, any conversation that you and I might have or educate that hey, that this was the first, this was in February, and in March they had another meeting. Roberts and I'm just going to use a, a name, you know, Gorsuch or somebody got together and said, you know, hey, we, we, we're not a fan of this trimester naming system, but what if we did this? But the problem is, is with that opinion out there, now you have 
the, the left been able to make a sharp divide, the right being able to say, okay, this is what we always wanted, and now you come to the conclusion that whatever comes out is going to be, going back to the words that we both have used earlier, the politicization is, and this is what concerns me, if this is the case, if this is the decision and five are okay with it, publish the decision. Because anything moved to left or right, depending on your ideological spectrum here, is going to be viewed as an ideologically, politically driven court. And that is something that I think that the left has been dying to have because then they can delegitimize anything that they don't like coming out of this court. Where does this, and I know we're doing a little bit of projecting now, but even including and and outside of this case, where does this go next? And that's that's a question that's you know not answerable, but in a sense, one that we should be concerned about. We have seen, and I'm going to go broader on this, and you're someone who's been on the House Judiciary Committee, mm-hmm. so you understand, I think, better than uh, many others, and I know you do, we've talked about it, the Article Three court system in this country. Right. We've seen an undermining of the Article Three courts. We've seen the Soros quiet over all of the court system come into full uh, display uh, lately with Alvin Bragg in New York, with Kim Gardner, Kim Fox, with Gascon in L.A. We've seen an attempt to undermine the courts, actually be successful in many cases. Uh, and then you add to that what I would call the, the, the worst of the American Bar Association and the lawyers and the organizations working together. Now you go to the Supreme Court. I see a bigger picture here. A bigger picture is the undermining and the trust, just like they undermine the trust in the election system to great success, uh, not fully, but to great success. Now you undermine the judicial system, one of our key foundations in this country. And to me, you know, this is a bigger danger. And I think we're paying a little too much attention to what's in front of us and not seeing the forest through the trees. No, David, I agree. Remember, we've now, for, if you take it from a conservative perspective, okay, and if I'm looking at it from judiciary, the Article Three courts, you look at it, the greatest success that liberalism in many ways has in the last, you know, from for many ways was was really through the court system. That's why they always uh, the the especially the Supreme Court was always viewed uh, with more uh, focus. I felt like more from the left than it was the right because this was where if they couldn't get a a more liberal idea through a legislative body, they were taking the tact of well we can sue and we'll get it through the courts. You've now through Donald Trump putting three. Uh, conservative justices on the court, which added up to six. I'll say five and a half because it only depends on the issue with Roberts uh, from a truer conservative uh, perspective. Um, they now know that that is uh, that, that that outlet is closed to them for at least the foreseeable future. So I think as you look down the line here, what they've now done is they've turned it to the lower courts. If you're seeing a race for a DA's race or a judge's race, in your state or your locality, and you're seeing all of a sudden a well-funded candidate, I'll guarantee you there's an ideological bent behind that that money and that candidate. And that is what's happening with the crime rates. That's what's happening with the non-prosecution rates. So it's really beyond the Supreme Court, David. Maybe this is a little bit different way than you were taking it, but I see what you're saying, but it's beyond even the, the, the Supreme Court. It's down to these locations where actually things are happening 
and this is where liberals are able to the liberal uh, judicial philosophy and, and prosecutorial philosophy is actually affecting us day to day. Look, we're headed down the same path of thinking. I want to expand on that, and I and I hope you have a couple more minutes because this discussion needs to be had. We need to open people's eyes. Uh, you talk about that. We have the appellate courts. Uh, we have something else that I think is, is should be watched during the Trump years uh, at the federal benches. There was, I say, a fair amount of success to make sure we had constitutional justices at more levels than we did prior in the Obama-Biden administration. And here we are again with a Biden in office, an executive that is capable of having their role, playing their role in affecting these benches. So, you know, our courts, our judicial structure, including those new and incoming judges in uh, the system as it is, is important to this. That's the long term strategy to change it. And I think that combined with the ability to, you know, as any president does, to change a certain amount of federal judges or all Clinton's done it. If they combine these actions, they could pervert the system for some time. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think that's and, and again, though, it's going in that underlying, uh, again, which the left is, is much, you know, shown themselves to be much better at over time. And that is organizing in areas where people are not looking, combining it with other aspects of a moving fluid society and, and then, you know, placing uh, that ring of ideological division um, into communities and into the, the not only the legislative process, but the judicial process as well. And when you have the executive and judicial at these other at these lower levels working, um, then you're then you are setting yourself up, and you you are in a country in which the rule of law becomes negotiable. The rule of law becomes something that is not uh, the standard that we've always seen, David. And I think I think we've got a problem going forward, and I think that's something that you and I and others are going to have to continue to talk about. Well, we certainly will. I uh, certainly appreciate you uh, joining me. It's been a while, long overdue, but you know, I hope people are listening and thinking far beyond the immediacy. Not they, not that it's not important with what's going on right now before the court and about the court, but look beyond to the long-term approach to perverting our foundational structures in this country. When you you pervert and you you take down the faith in the election system, when you do that with the judicial system, when, when you have an economy that you're being lied to and it is being perverted by the actions of the Biden administration, when you have deliberate actions to undermine that and when combined is how you take down America and change it. Uh, exactly right. And I think that's, you know, the left is, is understood that for a long time. The right has got to understand a long-term perspective. Uh, I've always said that many of my uh, fellow conservatives were like gnats on Red Bull. We go from one issue to the next as quick as we can. Uh, liberals have tend to have a much longer position than that. Does. Thank you, as always. Representative uh, Doug Collins, former Representative Doug Collins, thank you for joining uh, me this morning. Take care. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.